mind, this is for those of you who were part of the initiative last year. I want you to hear this. So we recognize since last year, lots of things have changed in your life, and we want to make sure that we're most up to date on the giving information in the Rooted Initiative. And so simply this, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to pass out what we call a recommitment card. And all it is, is if you're saying yes, there's going to be a couple of spots on there. One, Yes, I'm still committed to the number that I've put down, so yay, you can put that and just turn it in and be good to go. We also want to get an opportunity for some of you to change what you gave. So you may come and say, listen, my life situation has changed and I'd love to give more. There's space to do that. Or we recognize, because we're family, it may have been a difficult year for some of you. And so you may say, I just... Man, I've said that in good faith, but everything in my life has changed. I just don't think I can fulfill that commitment. Just be way too hard. If that's what you feel God leading you to, you can simply put that change on there too, and you're good to go, right? No pressure, no guilt attached to that whatsoever. We just want you to do what is best for you, what God's leading you to, and what's best for your family. And I have an opportunity for you, again, so that we can just re-engage this rooted initiative, make sure we know where we are. The really cool thing is we have these meetings coming up with our architects here. Uh, not this Monday, it's next Monday. Is that right, Tim? Not this Monday, but next. Yeah, so we're excited about that sitting down. They're going to come and be presenting with to us just some ideas and vision pieces. And so as we take that next step, we can't wait to share some of that stuff with you. It should be really fun. So just be look, looking for that. Be invited to that. If you'd like to come, you're more than welcome to. All right, so let's dive in this morning into this continuation we're talking about the journey. So I know we have some first-time guests here today. So good news. I'm going to catch you up on the last four weeks. You don't listen to the podcast. I'm going to catch you up, right? It's going to be really fun. And it's simply this. We're on a spiritual journey. Each of you are on a spiritual journey. In the context of that journey, we said a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago, hey, the journey is a race. Paul says, man, run the race set before you as if you're going to win the prize, right? And we said, Jesus is that prize. And so the question we ask ourselves, are you, did you run, pay attention, did you run this week and last week and the week before? And are you planning on running your journey this upcoming week as if Jesus is the prize, the primary effort and energy of your life going towards knowing him? And that's what Paul's saying. That's what the spiritual life looks like. And the, the second, the next week was like this journey into the secret place because the prize that you attain when you come in is you actually know Jesus. He, he is our secret place. Psalm 139 tells us that we were conceived by God in that secret place where he dwells. Therefore, we've been designed to always want to journey home to that place that feels like home to us. And Jesus ultimately is home for us. And there's an invitation to run the race. What we get to is the secret place of knowledge of Jesus and intimacy, which we said then leads to a journey to abundance. Because when you get into his presence, there is abundance of the fruit of his spirit of love and of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I don't know if you know, but those are good things, right? Those are things that if you have all of those in abundance, then everything else in life just isn't so strong, right? Nothing's too overwhelming because Jesus' presence is so refreshing, so filling. It is abundant. And then last week, we just pressed pause. If you weren't here, we took some time. We just worshiped and we prayed for all that God was doing in our midst and in our community. And this week we're jumping back into the journey, and this this week is the journey to overcoming. The journey to overcoming, and the idea is just really clear. We can read it here in 1 John 5, 
read just verses 4 through 5, John's about to tell us, hey, if you know Jesus, then you're already an overcomer. He says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. So being born of God simply means like you've, you've gone down into death to self and raised to new life. You now have a relationship with Jesus, right? So if you say with great confidence, yes, I am a Christian 100%. If I died tonight, I know I would spend eternity with the Father that he's talking about you. So with that in mind, let's reread it. For everyone born of God, you now know it's you, if that's you. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith, our faith is overcoming, right? Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? This is real simple. Only he or she who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what we're getting at here is John very clearly is coming. He says the exact same thing in chapter 4. If you know Jesus, you're a Christian, you're confident in that. 100% spending eternity with the Father, right? You believe with everything inside of you, giving your life to him. Then you already, past tense, by God, have an identity of being an overcomer. Yay, <laughs> right? Because when we tell stories... Or when we tell stories that we know we're going to retell again, or we have even some movie that we are okay re-watching again and again. If we're honest, so many of those things and so many of the stories we tell, all about stories of victory. Like, think about movies that you watch again and again and again. And how many of them are because they just tell a story. Like, remember the Titans. You can watch it again and again and again because they win, right? We love stories where the good guys win. We love stories and telling stories that against all odds, this person overcame. Listen, if you sit with my dad and I for any period of time, like the one that we, we share certain things together. We love Jesus. We love Georgia football and we love bass fishing. So if you sit down and tell and we tell stories, we retell the same stories over and over again of our exploits of conquering when we bass fish. Right. All the other thousands of times we didn't catch anything. We don't remember those stories. They've gone one this right here and out the other. Right. We only remember and tell the stories of conquering and of victory and of overcoming. That's what we do, isn't it? Don't you do the same with your friends and your family when you tell stories? You just retell the stories, right? Like all the years that my daughter's playing sports, right? And specifically softball, right? I can, I, I remember some of the bad moments, but I can just like vivid detail remember all these great moments of them winning games with plays in the field and hitting home runs. Like those are the stories that they want to hear. And if we're honest, like, we love those stories. We love those stories because they fill us with hope. Because they fill us with hope because that's what we want because so many of our lives do not feel as if they are experiencing and are marked by overcoming and conquering. We love those stories because it reminds us with, with hope that that these things could happen, breakthrough could happen, conquering and victory can happen. We love these because many at times, the seasons where we don't feel victorious or like an overcomer, they just define us. And so this morning we come in with this idea of journey to overcoming, recognizing there's hope this morning. And I just have great compassion for you. Because I have compassion for me, to be honest, right? 
Like, I understand where many of you are, because this has just been one of those weeks. Have you ever had one of those weeks? Like, one of those weeks where you're like, you're an overcomer. You're like, mm, not this guy, <laughs> right? Because you don't feel it, you don't experience it. It doesn't seem to define the actual activity of what's going on in your life. You're like, that's awesome for you, but that's just not my story. We're going to dive into that here in a bit. But that's the idea. I have a level of compassion because I recognize, man, we don't all feel like that. The idea of overcoming, we all just intuitively understand it, right? It speaks to a quality of a person who, when faced by adversity, they're able to push through. They're able to prevail. It means conquering and victory in the face of many obstacles and opposition. And again, I'm undone by the conviction of John because it's very clear for him. Anyone who knows Jesus has already overcome the world. And the things of the world, right? He has this beautiful conviction that they, past tense, have become and currently, currently are overcomers. It is not something that they aspire to, but it's something that already defines who they are. It defines their identity. In this, we find, however, the tension for many of us. There's a tension, right? I've already named it as a tension for many of us. And we kind of see it in Paul's warning to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 21, when when he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Like, it's really interesting, like it's it's just kind of literary. You understand the English language that if he comes in and says, do not be overcome, it means that they can be. He would not say do not unless they actually could be. And I think that's the starting point for us. For many of us, when we talk about not being overcome and the idea of being overcomers is that we're going to look at this in a bit, but when Paul speaks into the moment, right, he's saying do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Each of us struggle because being overcome many times feels like our experienced reality. In fact, Paul makes this statement again because Probably they've either hit a crossroad, they've hit a crossroad where they might be overcome, or some of them already are. Like you know the story of Romans, this like brief history, right? So the Romans, so the Romans, the Romans was written to the church at Rome that was having a really, really hard time with Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians doing church together. In fact, Jewish Christians have been kicked out of Rome for like 30-something years. For 30-something years, there were, no, there were no Jewish Christians doing church in Rome. And so when they were allowed back into Rome, now they were trying to come back into the church where they used to do all the, the liturgical and all the, all the, the, all the things, they, all the steps they had to do as Jews. And the Gentiles didn't do any of them. The Jews are coming and saying, no, to be a Christian is this. Like, no, it seems to be this. And so their intention, they literally, right? And part of it is racism. Part of it is cultural. And they're at a crossroad. And many of them are completely and utterly defeated in trying to do church together. And we have our first church separation and church split in two churches in the same city in Rome. They've already kind of hit this crossroad. This is a difficulty. There's opposition. I don't know if you know, but man, there's sometimes warfare in the church with two different sides. That's happening right here in Rome. 
It's real opposition. Paul is writing. You know, you know what the, the sad thing is? They didn't ever come. They lived separated. They didn't come back together. They lived separated. So Paul's coming and writing saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome good with evil. And they didn't. They did not submit. They did not overcome. They did not press through. And so in this, right, they're experiencing, and, and Paul watches as they experience this sense of defeat, this hopelessness. And it's the same thing that we feel, that you feel, I feel, on unfortunately a fairly regular basis. Can I get an amen? You're like, that's not an excited amen, but it's an amen, Steve. In my own life, again and again and again, right, I, I have these moments where I experience breakthrough, right? This answer prayer, I experience victory, I experience joy, I experience peace, I experience all of these things in my mind, right? I think, God, I've finally gotten there, I've finally arrived, I've finally had this breakthrough, I've finally had this victory in the moment, right? So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this moment, I can't deny, right? Like, all of a sudden, just a short period of time later, it's like all hell breaks loose in my life. Right? I had this great moment of victory, great moment of breakthrough. God's finally answered my prayer. I don't use the word finally. It's kind of rude, but God answered my prayer finally. Right? This whole thing, all of a sudden, you're like, yay, opposition. And in that moment, what do we all find? We find, like, this defeated sense of feeling, Right? This moment, like, oh, I thought this was it. I thought this was the break. I thought this was the moment. And so we find ourselves living in this tension going, I thought I had just overcome, but I guess I was wrong. But John tells me I always am. And then we have the paradox, the tension. I am, but I don't feel like it, so am I really? I have to believe, you take another biblical scripture, like a biblical story. We love telling stories, right? Like, 1 Kings 18 is the, is the Hollywood story. I mean, it's a story. It's like, I'm not going to go into the whole thing right now. I'll go into it later. But like, prophets of Baal and Elijah, and they're going head to head. And Elijah and the God of Israel wins. Yay! And the credits roll, and everyone's super excited and walks out feeling satisfied and whole, right? Hollywood, Christianity. We love the stories of victory. He won. Fire literally fell from heaven and consumed this massive sacrifice that had been poured, had water poured upon it. It's a miracle. Yay. But then all of a sudden, literally, that happens and Elijah is like sitting there in the moment enjoying the goodness. He's enjoying the good times, man. He's enjoying the feelings of victory. And what does he get? The servant walks up and says, hey, Jezebel, the queen, has heard about what's going on here. And she just wants you to know she's going to hunt you down and kill you. Right? You're like, ah! And what does he do? He runs. In disobedience to the father, he runs. And so we find ourselves, I think, like Elijah with opposition, being honest with ourselves. As we begin being honest with ourselves about this sense of overcoming, I find Paul's words interesting. He says, do not be overcome, right? 
He says, do not be overcome. His command is super clear. You can, you see, stop giving yourself over to being people who are overcome. The idea is clear. Some form of oppression, some form of, of difficulty has come upon them. And in this moment, as we've already said, they're allowing it to overtake them. In Romans 12, right, they were in a place of victory. That's the church. They were experiencing great victory. And now they're in a place of retreat. The writer is convicted, right? He's convicted in the moment. Say, listen, you have to handle your opposition. You have a choice in this. Do not be overcome, right? You're at a crossroad. You have a choice to make in the moment. Because why? Hear this. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're responsible for every decision that you make. You are responsible for every spiritual decision that you make. They're say, he's saying, now listen, you have a choice here to be overcome or to not be overcome. And there's responsibility you have with that. Do not be overcome. Therefore, in the context of retreat, if, we, if retreat is always a choice we make, we have to then reason that if we're in retreat and we have control over it, how we respond, then we have to be held responsible. The idea is this. Retreat in our spiritual life is never forced. It is always chosen by us. Retreat in our spiritual life is never forced. It is always chosen. Therefore, being overcome, honestly, is always the choice, not a reality of something that just happens to us. Can the enemy actually ever make you sin? No. Read James 1. He comes, he woos, he speaks, seed is planted, it takes root and gives birth to sin by our choices. We are responsible for our decisions. We are responsible for our actions and our choice of retreat. Our choice of being overcome is never never something that happens to us. It's something that we choose. And so in that, we have to begin to ask ourselves, well, how do I stop retreating? How do I stop being overcome? How do I get off the stupid roller coaster of overcoming oppression and running and then waiting for it to happen again, just doing the cyclical thing? How do I get off the cycle of overcoming oppression, opposition, ah, running. How do I do this this morning? We're going to just take a, a look at some of these things this morning. The first thing I would say is this. Number one, you have to exercise self-control. You have to exercise self-control. I think one of the things that's so interesting about the fruit of the Spirit is that one, literally one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the last one that's named he wants to leave you with, is the fruit of self-control. Like, I think it's really fascinating. I want you, I want to leave you, let you resonate. It's kind of, just kind of let it sit there and ruminate, excuse me, ruminate right there in your heart that you have a level of self-control. I'm empowering your ability to control the things that are attacking self. And that's the way you say it. The Holy Spirit is now in your life to empower you to, in all of your decisions to never have to retreat, to have self-control so that when the, the, this crossroad comes, when this moment of oppression comes, you can choose not to retreat. As you say, Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering me. I choose now not to retreat. I'm going to push into the oppression. We exercise this self-control. That's one of the most... The fascinating pieces about overcoming is the reality that opposition, 
Opposition never has control over you. Sin never has control over you. Temptation never has control. Hear this. It only has influence. It only has influence. All they can do is tell you things. He can't make you do anything in your life. For example, let's say, let's say a situation arises and that most people around you are stricken with fear. But man, you're walking in faith in the morning. Oppositions, oppositions come. You're like, no, by God's grace, I'm going to conquer through the, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who's given me strength and so on. I will not fear. And you walk in a fearlessness. But you're a round person over here and they're a little fearful. In fact, they're not just a little fearful. It's like their entire life and everything going on is about what the next shoe's going to drop, and they're living in fear. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this could happen. So you're a good friend. You want to influence them. That's what friends do. So you come and say, hey, let's talk about this. Like, I'm not fearful. Let me share. And look, well, this is what's going on. So as a good friend, you listen. You listen to them, right? Like, I'm so afraid, and this, and this could happen, and they said this. Oh, my gosh, did you hear about that? Oh, and like, you're like, really? Oh, my gosh. And then what do you find yourself as they begin to speak and to speak, and you listen and begin to grab hold of? All of a sudden, what happens? You come to your own crossroad, don't you? Like, oh, my gosh, maybe I should fear. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too simple-minded in this. This is a really fear-producing thing. I, I should choose fear, maybe, right? And you find yourself in this one. Do not be overcome by fear, but overcome fear with goodness and with faith. But you find yourself in the moment. And in this one, you have the choice. Holy Spirit, empower me again with self-control to not give in to the influence of fear. We are held responsible for the decisions and the choices that we make. We have to recognize, we have to recognize the oppression. We have to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize opposition and say, God, did you choose for me to bow to the oppression? Or God, did you empower me to move through it? We looked at this on October 28th. I encourage you to listen to the podcast. You've never heard it. October 28th podcast from here at Vintage. We looked at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. It says this, for our struggle, our oppression, right? Our, the evil we face is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Heaviness. Like, don't let me pick it up. Those are big words. Big enemies, okay? Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so when the day of oppression, right, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, we find you're still overcoming by standing because the Lord never empowers you to lose the battle, but to press in and to be more than a conqueror. So where do we land? Do we think that we are losing or do we know that we're more than conquerors? And if we believe we're losing, then, hey, good news, we've woken up to the fact that we've listened to the enemy and we don't have to anymore. We are more than conquerors, even though all hell is going on in my life right now. He prepares a table before us to banquet, to rest, and to eat where? In the presence of our enemies. They can't win. So I'm saying this and you're like, this is a story of hope. I'm feeling it. 
It's moving me. Yes, I love to hope that somewhere in my life, oppression won't continue to define me, right? I, when the battle comes, he's saying, you choose me by self-control not to bow down, and you stand with yourself, clothe the armor of God, and when the enemy comes, he will pass by because he can't win. October 28th, listen to the podcast. I think it was good. I don't really know. I never listened to it. I spoke it. All right. Long and short, this is what I wrote down, opposition, just long and short, opposition does not have, listen, our opposition has no authority to overcome you. It only has influence. All they can do is talk. All they can do is talk. You are the overcomer. Second thing we have to recognize, we have to go to battle. We have to go to battle. I love Romans 8.37. Let me tell you now, you love Romans 8.37 also. You quote it all the time. Every good Christian knows it. It seemingly fits every moment of our lives, right? And absolutely speaks to the conversation we're having this morning. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. We're like, yay. More than a conqueror is like a super conqueror. They always win. They're always victorious. They live with the expectation that they're always going to win. Conquering, it speaks to overcoming. Here, Paul's words are more. Listen, the thing I think is awesome about this is these are just these are more than just words for Paul. Like, have you ever read much about Paul's life? Like, read it sometime. Like the things he went through, man, so hard. The things he experienced were so difficult. They were so overwhelming. And so when Paul comes in in this moment, begins to speak here to the church at Rome that's living, kind of butting heads with one another, you say, listen, let me tell you, I'm not just saying this because it's a theological, mental conviction that I have. No, I'm telling you this because of my life experience and my understanding of who Jesus is as I've run to him, my great prize. I've sat in the secret of holy of holies and he shared secrets with me and made things available knowledge-wise to me that have wrecked me forever. I want you to know I'm more than a conqueror. And if I'm more than a conqueror, then so are you. He's speaking from experience to this idea we have to go to battle, conquering this beautiful peace. The idea of conquering, it literally speaks to battle. It speaks to highlighting an enemy who's opposing and who's fighting. Press pause. Do you know any of those in your life? Some of them you know and some of them, hear this. And I wish we could take time and like talk through this individually over coffee for a couple of hours and figure it out. But like. Some of you have enemies that are fighting against you right now that you just think are your own voice. Because you've been so ingrained for your entire life to think this is true, you just believe a lie and you live in it. And so the prayer, we're always praying, God expose the lies, even the ones that are so deep in me. They usually, they usually are around the voice of rejection. They're all usually around the voice of rejection. You think of yourself as less than someone else, or you don't think you're as good as somebody else, or you think you're not going to make it. This is for somebody else. That voice of rejection is not the voice of the God. It's the voice of the enemy and opposition who influenced you. You grabbed hold of it, and you've never let go. I don't know if that's you, but you need to figure it out, right? Why aren't we being victorious? Maybe because we're believing a lie of the enemy that we just grabbed hold of and never let go. Let's look at the context of these verses. And how we view opposition. 
and how we view the battle. Let's read. So I'm going to go in context, starting in verse 35. Let's get a little more of the picture here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake. We face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced, convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the first thing I want you to recognize, you have to put yourself in the story. He describes a lot of things represent opposition. Thankfully, hopefully, none of you ever experienced opposition that led you like it did to Paul to nakedness and famine. That would be awkward, right? And so in that, my hope is that that's not you. But at least if that's what it entails, then the things that we're going through definitely fit somewhere into the mix. So good news. Paul's talking about us, right? Paul's identifying us into the story. The second thing I want you to see is this sheep to slaughter equals conquerors. Read that again. As it is written, this is from Psalm 44, I think, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul goes, no, that's not true. It's what he's saying. No, that's not true. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. What he's trying to do in this moment, right? He's trying to awaken them. Paul is quoting this familiar psalm. I said 46 at the last service. I confused them. Good luck finding the right one, right? No, it's chapter 44. At the risk of oversimplifying chapter 44 of Psalm, let me just say this. It is a woe is me. My world is crumbling psalm. I encourage you to read it. They're talking about, oh, God, we look back to our history and we see all these ways that you fought for for Israel in the past and these powerful things that you did. But you're not doing them for us. We're just like sheep being led to a slaughter. That's all that we are. And the very end says, oh, God, would you wake up from your slumber because you're absolutely sleeping on us? We're tired of it. And we're just wanting you to do for us what you did for them. Read the psalm. Tell me if I'm wrong. Does that sound like anybody you know? Oh my gosh, my life is so terrible. Everything always goes wrong. I never get a break. Oh, woe is me. Oh, it's so bad. I'm sure you never sound like that yourself. Right? It's like, man, no, Psalm 44. I read it a couple weeks ago. I'm like, oh God, this is, yes, they understand the plight of my life. Right? This has been a long couple of weeks for me. It's been overwhelming. Do you know how when you, when you get like, like on a, I don't know, like when you're outside, well, it's like on a, like a, for me, it's on a boat, a motorcycle, and you get done, and like the wind's been blowing on you, and you, like your whole like body's kind of tingling from the wind, right? Like you ever had that happen just in the context of your life? You've been pushing so hard, so hard, so hard that when you finally stop, it's like you're like, oh, you're almost your whole body's shaking, like, oh, right? Like I found myself like on Thursday, right before I prep for this perfect timing, right? Like going, oh, that's what I feel like. I just want to sleep for days, right? That's what I felt like. It's like, God, I don't look an overcomer at all. This message is not, this message is exactly for me. I am Psalm 44. Woe is me. Where are you? Finally move on my behalf, please. Like, this is it, right? And so in this, Paul's coming in 
And he's saying, you may feel this psalm describes you like you're a sheep being led to slaughter. You may feel it just like they did. Your experiences in life, they may be influencing you to believe that everything is terrible. But Paul's word is clear. Your feelings and experiences don't define your truth. Your feelings and your experiences don't define your truth. He is saying here, Paul's changing the narrative. He's changing the narrative. In this moment, he's saying, no, no. You are, whether you feel it, whether you experience it, more than conquerors. And we have to take this step towards the reality of what we already are. You're not sheep being led to a slaughter. You are more. You're a super conqueror and you have to wake up. You're super victorious. In our, in our world, we call like we live every day mercy ruling the enemy. Right? Like Sarah plays on a soccer team. She got in there today. She went down and scored a goal. I stood up and cheered. Way to go, handbrag! Right? Loud as I could. All the parents are laughing at me. I don't care, right? Like we just like scored a goal and somebody else scored some other and we won 10 to nothing and the game was over. We mercy ruled them. How awesome is that? I am told by Paul that everywhere I go and every time I battle somebody, I mercy rule them. What do I do with that? Do I just say, no, my experiences tell me that's not true, and I bow down to them and let them influence me? Or I say, no, by Christ and by God and by the work of the Holy Spirit in me, I am more than a conqueror. All hell's breaking loose. The enemy is all around me, but I'm just going to hang out and banquet with God. Right? This is what we're talking about. We're more than conquerors. And we have to ask ourselves, Man, that just fills me with hope. Am I willing to believe it? Am I willing to state it, even though my experiences don't tell me? Because don't you all know we're so defined by our senses? We're so defined, but we feel what we think people say about us, right? Poor social media world people, right? It's like we just live like, what do they like? They get enough likes? Whatever, right? Jesus would have had like half of his stuff liked and the other half they would have hated it. In social media world, I'm just saying, right? He didn't care. All of it was based on, I'm more than a conqueror of the work of Jesus in me. And I may be influenced from the outside, which leads us to this third part. Victory is about receiving love of God. That's what Paul, that's what John, uh, that's what John and Paul would lead them to. Like, I, I, I love, like, if you read the, if you ever read John, if you read this, this language of, of Paul's, like they understood love was everything for them, like being loved by Jesus. I, I love that, that John's identity, we've talked about this before, this is not news, right? That John's identity, when someone said, hey, who are you? He goes, oh, I'm a beloved son of Jesus. I'm loved by him. No, no, but what do you do? I'm just loved by Jesus. That's all that matters. Well, how much are you worth? <laughs> Ever how much Jesus loves me, that's how much I'm worth. That's what he would have literally defined himself as in our culture. He never would have told him what he did, probably. Remember, we know for three years, like, don't tell him what I do, right? Don't tell him I'm Messiah. Don't tell anybody. I'm just going to come and love on people. I just want them to know I love them. That's all that mattered to him. And so he comes in. It's like, man, it's the love of God. Paul recognizes, man, hey, our victory. Let's get back over here. It says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Do you see 
how big and how weighty these, this opposition is. Look at it. I'm just going to go through some of the pieces here, right? First, he comes in and says, he says, well, let's go read through these things. Number one, he says, no, it's neither, neither death nor life. Those are pretty big things, right? Neither angels nor demons can separate us, right? Neither the present nor the future. So present circumstances, future circumstances, no powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including every other human being, can ever separate me from the love of Christ. How do I live as more than a conqueror? I live my life as a race to Jesus to get to the secret place so I can know his love for me, so I can receive the abundance of his fullness, so that when the day of evil comes, I'm like, is that all you got? Because I got the fullness of Jesus. I got the full, I got the love of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Do you want to walk in the fullness of Jesus? Then stop sitting around thinking about how bad your life is and think about how good God is and about how good his love for you is and want for literally every single day for one month. I just want you to sit before God and say, God, I know that you love me. Tell me again. Tell me again. Because if I know that you love me, then nothing can overcome me. That's what the message is. And so as simple as this, are you living defeated? Are you living overcome? Then more than likely, it's because you spend more time sitting over here looking and lick, looking your difficulties, licking your wounds, rather than looking at Jesus and go, I'm more than a conqueror because of you. Tell me you love me, because if I know that you love me, then I can make it through anything. Spend time with Jesus. Why do you run? Because you want to please him? No, you run to him because that's where the only place... The conquering life is found. I mean, my sermons, my sermons are so simple. You can come to Vintage, don't do this. You can come once a quarter. And all I'm ever going to say in once a quarter is fall in love with Jesus, know him, and your life will change. It's it. It will save your marriage. If you give yourself wholly to Jesus, it will save you and your children. It will save you in the workforce. It will save you in everything that you're doing. If you just go to know him with all of your energies. How do you get people to stop complaining? Just tell them to run to Jesus, right? So, which is the third part. I just beat myself with the punch. Number three, run to and listen to God. Run to and listen to God. So Elijah and Jezebel, right, in this story, we've already talked about it. Elijah does the fire from heaven thing, right? He wins, yay, right? It's magnificent, victorious. God, the God of Israel, is recognized for who he is, and everyone celebrates, right? And everyone knows, oh, my gosh, God is the God of all gods, right? He is the one true God. And then Jezebel gives her threat, and disobediently he runs. But I would say this. At least in his disobedient running, he ran disobediently well. Because there's two ways to run. There's to run in obedience, like run, there's like bad running and there's a good running. Okay? Bad running is I'm going to run to my, my vice. I'm going to run to my addiction. I'm going to, to run to my distraction, whatever it may be. You can plug that into what you, in your life, what that is, right? Or like Elijah, you can do what he does. First Kings 19, 8 through 10. He says he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What is it saying? Well, Elijah got scared. So he just ran to the one place he knew. He ran to dad. Mount Horeb, the place of God, the mountain of God. 
They represented God. What are you? He went into the secret place, into a cave, literally. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared. He runs in. Now, what Father would have told him, you can read it in the rest of, in the rest of chapter 19, is God would have said, you don't have to run, dude. I'm about to bring her kingdom to an end. And he did. He would have slept right there. If he just stopped and had quiet time, had a secret place moment right there in front of the sacrifice. God, she's coming. What do I do? He said, just stay. He would have said, this is what would have happened if he had not run. He said, just stay in firm and watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy her reign. And he would go, okay, fantastic. Let's go watch. And got some popcorn and watched. But no, he ran. But at least he ran well. Where did he run? He ran to dad's lap. It's too much for me. I'm the only one left. I'm the only prophet. I'm the only one who still cries out to God and goes, Oh, little buddy, don't you know there's thousands of people that I've saved who've never bowed down? You're not alone, man. It's not all about you. I'm in charge. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> That's what he would have done. That's what he did. He ran. So when, listen, run to and listen to God. So even in those moments, like if it's too much, then just run to God. To be honest with you, it's never wrong to run to dad. Like, was it best case scenario? No, he didn't have to. He like exerted a whole lot of energy and got burned by the sun running through it. But at least he went to dad and so dad spoke. But the point is this. He ran to God and he listened. Stop talking to God so much and start listening how many of you spend most of your time complaining to God, like, okay, I gotta go, I gotta go, and you run off? Rather than listening to what He has to say long enough for Him to speak and to tell you, okay, as a good father always does, this is what's happening. And so we do, we wake up to the reality, oh my gosh, I've been influenced to believing I'm not an overcomer. Oh God, I don't want to do that anymore. I am, I am an overcomer, right? God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run to you and just be with you. God, I'm gonna allow you to speak over me truth, God. I'm gonna exercise self-control. I'm gonna put myself into scripture and recognize it's talking about me. God, I'm not going to continue to be overcome. The enemy influences, but I don't have to listen. God, help me wake up to the lies that I believed. That requires time. You believe lies for so long, you believe them as truth. You may need to get some friends around you. Like, to be honest with you, if you were, if you were like man or woman enough, look at somebody who knows you best and say, what lie do you think that I'm believing is keeping me from overcoming? Could you do that? If you do, you'll be better for it. If that person will be honest with you. Why? Because, man, sometimes we believe things we can't see. That's why God put us in communities so they can put their finger on it for us. That's how it works. You've been designed to overcome. Hope. Hope. Listen, hope, biblically, is the confidence that God is always going to move. It's not wishful thinking. When we hear these stories... Of overcomers, it fills us with hope, a confidence that if God can do it in them, then absolutely it's true for us and he can do it in us. And that is true of you. You are overcomers. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray for those, God, like myself, have a really hard grabbing hold of this truth and believing it for themselves. Father, we just recognize, Lord, man, it's hard for us sometimes. 
And so I'm asking this morning, Jesus, just in this moment, at this message, and God, I just recognize some people are wrestling, going, I, I hear that, and there's always a but. There's a but. There's a but. I pray, Father, you would speak to that this morning and say, no, there are no buts. It's just true, and I want to speak it over you. Lord, I pray for those who've been in counseling for this exact thing, maybe for, for years. You pray breakthrough this morning. I pray for those, God, who've just felt their life is marked by despair and helplessness and hopelessness. In Jesus' name, we just speak breakthrough this morning. I pray, Father, for this, this, this gift of self-control, the fruit of self-control. Would you help us to exercise it today, Jesus? That we would not allow ourselves to be influenced by our opposition and our oppression, but to step into wholeness and life. I pray today that you'd open people's eyes to see that table you set before them. They can eat from, banquet with, and be with you, God. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. This morning, before we go into ministry time, I want to invite you all to something. We are partnering uh, with several, I mean, probably hundreds of churches in our local area and abroad uh, who are going to engage starting Wednesday, 40 days of prayer uh, leading up to Easter. And the purpose of our prayers are very, very simple. We are believing that God wants to bring a wave of his presence in the context of vintage, but also in the context of our community. If we just do church for ourselves, then we're wasting our time, right? We believe God wants to move outside the four walls as well as he does in here. And so with these other churches, we are partnering to pray for breakthrough, to pray for salvation, to pray for healing, right? To pray for a movement in all of our churches. I want to invite you to do that with us. If you would, so I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm inviting and I'm asking, if Vintage is your home, that you would do that with us. If you are receiving our weekly emails, then you're good to go. You will receive an email on Tuesday. It's going to kind of give you the prayer points all the way up and through the week. And then next Sunday or Monday, you'll receive another, another email that goes out. It's going to have their prayer points for that week, leading us all the way up to those 40 days. Okay? Some of these things are written by people in the surrounding churches, and some of the things will be for us. But I want to invite you, I want to implore you, would you make this part of your race it's part of this race into the presence of Jesus. To come and to pray for these things. Let me tell you something. When hundreds of churches in our community come together and begin to pray for this, something happens as we all unify in one voice to cry out for movement. Would you come alongside and pray with us? Would you make it a priority of your day? To say, God, everything else I'm doing, I give it to you. I trust that you'll take care of my family, my job, all my stuff, God. Because I'm going to spend this hour to be with you in prayer, God. Because that's the primary work I give myself to that has eternal impact. Do it and watch what happens. He will bless everything else that you do. It's how he works. If you give yourself to him, it's like grace flows everywhere else. It's just how he works. So I invite you, again, if you're not receiving our weekly emails, take a connect card. They're in these baskets. Fill it out. And just check the box that says that you want the weekly email. Listen. Hear me. He's doing something. God is doing something. It is powerful. It is rich. And it produces life. Today I want to invite you to allow that conviction 
to overwhelm you. Because there are places for conquerors that they say enough is enough. Overcomers say enough is enough. I will not back down anymore. I will not live like that anymore. I will control the enemy who comes in by the power of God's spirit. I mean, I will tell him no. When we tell him no, he pushes back even harder. And what do we do? We get our feet planted even harder. We say, no, Jesus, come and fight my battle. Would you do this work? Because he's getting on my nerves and I don't want his voice to influence me anymore. Jesus, your will be done. Conquer him for me. You never have to conquer anything. Jesus conquers through you. It's what he does. Would you give yourself today to that journey? Let him do his work inside of you. All right. He responds, the Lord leads always, offering baskets here as worship. Communion available every week. Why? Because we want to recognize victory is not something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's happening today. It's happening today. We have ministry teams be available. Listen, if you want, if you need help, if you need, if it's hard for you to overcome by yourself, if you're having a hard time just praying through things, we have ministry teams. They would love to pray for you. We would love to pray for 25 to 30 people this morning. Be one of those. Let God do his work. So ministry teams, go ahead and come. If you're a part of it, if you're also a ministry team and not coming forward, be prepared. If they get full, that you come forward and take the place that you can pray for people. Let God move this morning. It's already 12.15, so I am officially done. Service is officially over. I invite you to respond to the Lord. If you need to go, man, blessings on you. Just go pray for this. Or if you can stay, we're going to stay in worship for the next 15 minutes. And we're going to let God do his thing and pray for people. Ladies, as you leave, don't forget, sign up for the women's retreat coming up. Okay? I'm done. Have a great week. I love you all.